on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. It's not the same as working for yourself. Shortly thereafter, I literally was like, you know what? I'll just quit my job and go be a janitor. I'll be the best darn janitor out there, but I'll be happy. And then I just literally, people are going to laugh at this, but I willed myself to create something. I said to myself every day, I said, I've got to create something to make myself work for myself again. I've got to come up with something that's going to allow me the freedom to work for myself. And I kept saying that and kept saying that. And then all of a sudden, here was this vision. Yeah. and, And I just literally executed that that opportunity to create a rack above and and yeah. if people don't say that you can't will yourself to do something yeah. uh, i'm a firm believer that it's possible to do it you are listening to gathering the kings with chaz wolf featuring fellow seven eight and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, guys, Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings. We're back today with an unbelievable story. We've got some Shark Tank action going on today. Our guest not only is an entrepreneur of multiple decades, but he gave up his entrepreneurship to go work for corporate America, figured out that was a, not a good scenario, and willed himself into in such an incredible idea. Steve, I know you're here with me. We just got off the show, and you gave so much value, and your business is just about to blow up. Did you enjoy that show like I did, man? Because I feel like I'm a better person now that I get to know you. Chaz, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I enjoyed meeting you last week when we chatted and the energy that's here. And, and I think what you bring to the table to help people understand how simple and, you know, it's not easy, but it's exciting. You can see, you can hear the excitement. You can hear the, the passion in the voices, especially mine. I mean, I'm all in. It's always fun sharing your pains and your wins to, uh, to help others. It's awesome. That's awesome. Guys, so grab your pen and paper. It's an incredible story that Steve shares and all kinds of goodness. So get ready. Here it comes. All right, guys, we've got Steve to the stage. Steve, say your last name for me. <laughs> it's Shinda Hetty. Shinda Hetty. It's not spelled Shinda Hetty. Dude, I'm glad you said it and not me, but I'm so glad to have you on the stage today of Gathering the Kings. Your story is one of unique entrepreneurial dreams and then making things happen. It's the Shark Tank story. And so I'm so excited to get into it. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Chaz. I really appreciate it. It's my first podcast. So we'll see how it goes and uh, we'll just flow with it and have some fun. That's awesome. So if you're listening now, just mark the date, earmark the date that you heard Steve and then how he said his last name, Shinda <laughs> Hetty, on, uh, on Gathering the Kings, because I feel like you'll know this brand here uh, nationwide here pretty soon. So Steve, tell us what your business is in a quick, uh, quick overview. Tell us what it is that you do. So my product is called a rack above. I started a company called penthouse storage solutions, none of which are related. It just happenstance that way. But I created a freestanding, no drilling, no tools, overhead garage storage rack that people can take with them. It's a one-time purchase and it fits any garage. It adjusts any width, any height, uh, goes together with pins and clips. It's incredible. So from a background, give us just a, like 30 seconds on your background. Like, how did you come to this idea? How, are you are you an engineer for Boeing? Like, how did you figure all this out? 
No, I'm just a dude. I'm just I'm a guy just, who had a problem <laughs> who moved from a house, a condo that my wife owned after we uh, decided I needed to get a job after I closed my previous company. And I had to rent a storage unit to be a garage because I didn't have a garage here. I had motorcycles, bicycles. I couldn't get stuff out of there without doing the proverbial pick up and move, pick up and move back and forth. And one day I looked above my head and I'm like, man, I got There's all this space storage there. space above my head. <laughs> yeah, I got to do something with it. And uh, you can't drill into the ceilings or the walls of the storage facility because they're going to hit you up for fines. That's and right. I literally just sat there and went, what can I do? And I went up to the Lowe's Home Depot, bought some lumber and some hangers and created my first, uh, call it a prototype for what it was, but it wasn't at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it just parlayed from there. That's incredible. So, I mean, obviously a lot of listeners listening right now have a similar story or have heard of a similar story, them getting into business or others, there was this problem. And then they were able to come up with a solution. Really, it was for them. This was a solution for you to be able to access this extra storage space, but you quickly realized that other people had the same problem. Tell us about that. I figured if I have a problem and, and believe me, I worked for myself in the past and I'd be in people's houses and you could see how much clutter and, and oh, yeah. junk they had in their garages. And it didn't take me long to realize, man, I bet you there's a whole need for this. But what was interesting is I started out thinking, oh, there's a market in the storage unit arena. Okay. Started going down that whole avenue going, hey, I could sell these to storage facilities. Well, right. that soon became a, a no-go. And I had to pivot and realize that this was going to be a residential product. Yeah, hundred percent. Why? And I, for the listener who's paying close attention here, what you're talking about, Steve, is something that we all go through as entrepreneurs. We have to be able to pivot. It doesn't necessarily mean that we change product or change course altogether. But if you're taking notes here, you need to write this down because oftentimes, whether we start a service-based business or a product-based business, and we think it's going to happen a specific way, and as we start getting into the detail of it, we need to shift and make moves. And so if you're experiencing that right now, just like Steve did, then that might be a shift that you have to make. You got to, maybe your end user in this case, for Steve's case, was what he had to change. And so tell us why you changed to residential. And then we're going to get into some of the other pieces here. Rental facilities are in this business of rental, renting storage facilities. So right. if you fill up a storage unit, they really don't have any business or, or interest in making it more efficient for them to not rent the next unit. In fact, so if, if you don't have enough space, you'll need another one. <laughs> that's the point. They're in, they're in the rental space business, right? So yep. now here comes a guy with a smart aleck remark. You can rent this to your customers and, and, and save them money. Uh, we're not interested in saving them money. We want to take their money. Yeah, so they're much. interested in moving on to a, to a second, third storage unit versus right. making the ones they have more efficient. So yeah. I just had to rethink my, because thinking that was going to be my, what's the word? The, uh, your hundred pound fish. It wasn't, I, I had to go back and start thinking, okay, where do I go from here? Instead it's the John and Suzanne who's been in the garage and they got stuff from 1983 or, or from kids or whatever. And, and they need it organized and up out of the way so they can finally pull their cars back in. Is that what you're helping people do across the country? I, Chaz, I literally yesterday put two racks, two full-size, two car garage racks in one home because they had so much stuff. And before we put the racks up and completed, we went up in their attic and we cleaned out all their stuff it was all empty boxes, things that have been sitting up there for years. Right. People just collect stuff. That's right. And, and, and it's Mary and Sue, it's Johnny and Betty, whoever it is. We just have a lot of stuff, That's valuable right. or not. People don't want to get rid of it. Well, this solves a problem and people are receiving it very nicely. I love the just the energy around such a simple problem. Doesn't mean that it's not a big problem such a simple problem that your solution helps people live their life better. That's really what it comes down to is that we, what we do as entrepreneurs is we solve problems and we increase either value or we, we help people save time. Or in this case, you're helping them enjoy their home better, their space. And so I love it. 
here's another pivot I had. When I created this thing, my whole catch was double your storage in 30 minutes. What a great idea, right? People are not going to procrastinate anymore. They see something can happen in 30 minutes. They're going to jump on this. They're going to buy it. Not the case. Start going to these home shows, start going to places. And people didn't care about the 30 minutes. They cared yeah. about the fact that they can buy it one time, take it with them when they go. There you go. So now in my catchphrase was double your storage in 30 minutes. Not even after my second show, it turned to better overhead garage storage because nobody go. cared about the 30 minutes. It's something that they can take with them. They're not damaging their homes. Right. And people are actually receiving that and, and thanking me, thanking me for creating something that they can now use, which is just absolutely phenomenal. It makes you, it makes me so proud. Yeah, no, I love it. I love that too. And, and I think that what you just hit on there, the emotional piece of entrepreneurship is that oftentimes we get so bogged down, especially for the listener who's a six figure earner. They're wanting to do, get into the millions and have this big business and this big team that they hear us talk about. But, but the reality of it is that when you love what you do, or in this case, you're proud, you're excited, then there's confidence in not only what you can do for the customer, but you go home every night and you're just like, I'm crushing it. Whether it's literal, like you crushing the business, bringing home money, obviously that's a reflection, but you feel good about what you're doing because it's a great product. I love that. I got a quick story for you that has that mimics that. So I sold a rack to a customer that I met at the home show. They came home, they put the rack up. They were so excited. They put it on their neighborhood watch. Facebook page or whatever that neighborhood thing is. Sure, and yeah. uh, a girl comes over and looks at it. And then she says, Hey, I got somebody coming over to look at the rack. She didn't know him at the time. Fast forward a month. I hadn't heard from that lady. And then not even three weeks ago, I get an email. Are you still selling your rack? We're interested. Yeah. So I said, yeah, absolutely. So long story short, I go up there. I put the rack in the person that I sold it to at the home show. And these new people became best friends because they went over to see my rack two or three wow. times they ended up staying in the garage and chatting. talking the whole time yeah <laughs> next time they're spending christmas together they're going on cruises together so not only am i creating a, a problem solving product but i'm bringing people together what could be better then what could be better i love it i love it the, the only story the only other part of the story we need now is that you're nationwide and you're a hundred million dollar company and uh and, and you're touching people all over all over the world so okay Correct. see Let's transition a little bit. Tell me how entrepreneurship for you started. You said you had a business before, maybe multiple businesses. Tell us how entrepreneurship started. My entrepreneurship started because I was miserable. Okay. Um, I, I had my own business for over 20 years doing audio video. Right around shortly after the crash, the market crash, um, technology changed. Yeah. Things were changing. People weren't listening to music the way they used to. They were all listening to it by the phone sure. and uh, through Bluetooth speakers. And I'm like, I'm out. I got to get out of this. This isn't what I signed up for. Because at that point, I'm becoming a computer guy versus an audio video guy. So closed my business, decided I was going to go work for corporate America and got into corporate America. And a friend of mine told me years ago, a uh, self-employed person is not employable. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that. I have. I went to I uh, went to work for a big corporate America and didn't that, like it. That didn't last long, I take it. <laughs> it didn't last long. I was three deep breaths before you go in the door every day and working with people that aren't motivated, people that don't really care about the client. It, it's just right. not, it's not the same as working for yourself. Shortly thereafter, I literally was like, you know what? I'll just quit my job and go be a janitor. I'll be the best darn janitor out there, but I'll right. be happy. And then I just literally, people are going to laugh at this, but I willed myself to create something. I yeah. said to myself every day, I said, I've got to create something to make myself work for myself again. I've got to come up with something that's going to allow me the freedom to work for myself. And I kept saying that and kept saying that. And then all of a sudden, Boom. here was this vision. Yeah. And, and I just literally executed that, that opportunity to create a rack above. And, yeah. and if people don't say that you can't will yourself to do something, yeah. uh, I'm a firm believer that it's possible to do it. 
Oh, 100%. Here a little bit later in the show, I'm going to ask you a little spoiler alert. I'm going to ask you what book you recommend. But the listeners have already heard me talk about Think and Grow Rich. I, I read it once a year, every year. I take different notes every year. I'm at a different place every year. I'm looking for something different every year. But the common theme, obviously, within that book is that you're training your subconscious. And you can train it whatever you want. To your point, you said to yourself, I got to create something. I have to, I'm demanding this of myself. And when Absolutely. you do that, when I've talked to clients about this, when I've talked to other entrepreneurs about demanding this, whatever this is, whether it be success or sales or money or a family or peace or anything, you fill in the blank. If you demand it, you will do certain things that put you in a place to be able to be ready for it. And so to your point, the ideas were happening and ready for you when you had that storage unit issue, which then tumbled into this new idea and this new business. And so I thank you for sharing that because it's a huge point. I agree. All right. So tell me along the way here, obviously you're still, I know, like extremely early on this business and, and you haven't gone nationwide yet, but tell me a good decision that you've made along the way here that has just been instrumental that the listener today would be like, wow, that's super applicable. I can apply that to my business. Wow. Um, so can I tell you what book I recommend now? Because it kind of leads into what I'm about to sure. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's so there's a book by Michael Masterson, Ready, Fire, Aim. Ooh, I love it. Yep. And I picked up this book and started reading it. And due to COVID, due to trying to get things done, trying to get, trying to find people to, to manufacture this thing locally within, when I say locally, within a two or three state area of Orlando, Florida, was a big challenge. And I was driving with my buddy one day and he goes, Steve, just go back and get it manufactured where you're getting it manufactured. It may not be what you want to do now, but, and it may be more expensive than you need it to be, but you'll have product and you can right. get it out there and sell it. Yep. And I thought about that. I'm like, man, he's right. Don't sit there and think and hesitate, just yep. execute with what you know, because the mistake I think a lot of people make is afraid to make the mistake. Yeah. Yep. Overthinking it. Overthinking it and just willing to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and do it. It's going to cost me 20, 30% more, but I need product. I need to get it out there. I need to get to see what the re response is going to be from the people. That's what I did. Yeah. So on the heels of COVID, supply chains are really hard. Aluminum has gone through the roof like everything else has gone through the roof. Not being able to, to purchase uh, massive quantities of aluminum and, and get these things done on you know flatbed loads. I got a piecemeal as much as I can afford to get done, but that's okay because as soon as I get to the point where I need more, I'll just go ahead and I order more and I'll just keep that going until this summer when I got everything uh, in my back pocket for local manufacturing and distribution. Exactly. I love it. And so that's a great example. Thank you for the good decision there because you're right. That echoes into every listener. And if they're being honest with themselves right now, as you and I are talking, there's been multiple times that this person listening right now has thought, do this, does this need to be better before I get it out? Now we don't want to, we don't want to confuse quality with version one, or in this no. case, just having something. So of course, as things progress, I'm sure that the structure of your unit or, or the design or the product, the, main, the, the material might be different over time. You've, you've got a better product, a better material, a lighter, more combustible. I, I don't know, whatever the, the, the details are of the product, maybe not combustible. That's, that's turning on. Yeah, we, we don't need, we don't need, we don't need combustible. Yeah. <laughs> but my point being is that you've got a product that you're selling and you're not waiting on. And I think that's huge in every single business, whether it's the hesitation of making it perfect that some people are going to deal with, or if it's just the, ah, uh, if it's not quite ready, like 
version one needs to get done and get out so that you can then make version two. Yeah. And you know what? You don't know what you don't know what version two needs to be until you have version one in your hand and you're out doing what it needs to be doing, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, it's always going to be tweaked. So yesterday when I was putting those two racks in that house, I had some legs that had extra holes at the top. And the customer notices is, why do you got extra holes? I said, Oh, these were my first revision. I said, I realized after I did this that I got a post that goes through here and I can't the hole's worthless. I said, so every hole's a dollar. So I had to cut out the hole because I didn't need it anymore. He goes, right. Oh, that makes sense. So every time you launch another product, every time you launch another revision, there's always going to be a better way to create it, a better way to, uh, to, yep. I love it. We're insulated, I guess. Yeah. It was probably three or four shows ago and we're still pre-launch here. Even as we record this, we're pre-launch uh, for this podcast. And so I'm pre-recording a bunch of shows and my podcast studio, my, my home, I'm having a beautiful home, an estate built here in Kansas city. And we've been building for 15 months and in my office and I've got this podcast space, some lounge chairs. It's going to be beautiful. I'm just so incredibly excited. And to your point, if I was so caught on that, I would be waiting. We wouldn't be recording right now because right now I'm in one of my rental properties and I've got a blurred background because I'm in my son's like right over here is is his crib. Look at the the current moment. What's more important is us taking action, getting your story out so that other entrepreneurs can grow their business. And long-term we can provide value as a gathering the King's community to entrepreneurs. That's more important than me looking and sounding pretty in a new studio. It's going to be nice, but action always wins. Content's King. There you go. There you go. Okay. So tell us about a bad decision, Steve. You talked about a good decision. What about a bad one? All right. So if I could rewind what I started, I would go back and try manufacturing of machining and welding and things of that nature, because you don't know what you don't know. And when you take your idea to somebody, they're all going to jump on and go, yeah, we want to do this. We'll do this. We can do this. And you'll sit and you'll wait for months and months only to find out that the guys that just told you they could do it and would do it, they're welders. They're not fabricators. They're not people that actually can put all this together. All they're going to do is take it to somebody else and let them do it and then put you in the middle. So am I hearing the solution here is fill the pipeline with multiple options? Is that what I'm hearing? Or what would you have done? I I think what the, the idea for me is I would have learned what it takes to, I would have gone to somebody who, who's a fabricator first, who, I wasn't really necessarily needing to have them manufacture what I have, but to get the education saying, Hey, what do I need to manufacture this? What kind of machines should I be looking for? When I walk into this shop, do I, what do I, am I looking for a plasma machine, a plasma cutter? Am I looking for a press break? Am I looking for what kind of welding machine? Educate yourself as to whatever the product or service is, what does it take to manufacture or to bring that to light? Because I literally spent eight months, nine months on, on people that said they could do something for me and absolutely couldn't, but they wanted to be a, they were greedy. They wanted to be a part of this because they believed in what I had, but they weren't the ones that could actually execute the manufacturing. Exactly. It's interesting because I've experienced this, but with banks, if you're listening and Steve, you may not know this about me either, but, but I have a, I have a, a real estate portfolio. Not only do we own several businesses. And so I've done deals with banks when it comes to businesses, but on the real estate side as well. And here's what I've found is that Every bank that you go to wants to do the deal. Every one of them. You bring the deal, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we want to do the deal. But when you peel back the layers of you or the opportunity or the property or the bank themselves, their appetite, it hardly ever works out. And so to your point of knowing who the the person is that you're talking to. So in in my case, it's 
knowing the bank or what their appetite is, or maybe knowing my bankability before going there or who that's compatible with. In your case, it's what am I really trying to build here? Getting some education around the actual connection that's right for me. But then I would say the next step is that I'm always talking to like three to eight banks, <laughs> right? So you're talking to three right. to eight manufacturers all the time, some domestic, some international. You've always got different relationships going because guess what? At any moment, someone can drop you or it's the wrong product or their supply chain's backed up. Or in my case, quality the bank's goes like, bad. Quality, yeah, exactly. There's just so many things that can happen. And when you have this key relationship, that's going to keep me from buying new deals or you from making new product. We've got to be able to keep that pipeline full enough to whether it's the wrong person or just a person who's not going to work out. We don't waste time on them is really what it comes down to. <laughs> right. I totally agree. I don't beat myself up over it because I don't know what I don't know. And, right, and to of get course. discouraged and to think that, man, I should have done it this way. Should have done it that way. You, you listen to the guys on the shark tank. They say, how long you've been in business? Oh, I've been in business 90 days and I've already sold 250,000. Really? Well, good for you, but that's not the path that most people take. So I can only base my success and my growth on what I've been doing. And to me, that's part of the learning process, because yeah. if you do it once, who knows, after this, I might do it again, and I'll know that much more. hundred so percent. Don't get yeah, yourself out. Exactly. I love that. That's a good word. Thank you, Steve. And you should definitely take note of that as the listener today, because he's right. Your failure in this case, him finding a welder as opposed to a, a steel or, or, or a aluminum manufacturer was a mistake. It was a bad choice. It, it was a failure, but, but he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And, and there are things in your business right now that you don't know until you just take a whack at it. And so you're either hesitating and you haven't taken the whack. And so you haven't been able to learn or you're whacking and you're not paying close enough attention to the result to realize that you need to adjust a little bit. And this would this be, you know, if Steve's still talking to the welder, obviously he needs to adjust and get to the aluminum guy. <laughs> There's lots of lessons to learn in the failure if you see it as a lesson to learn as opposed to the end. All right. So tell us about, we're talking about decisions. You've given me an example of good and bad. Do you have a formula that you follow when it comes to decision-making in your business? Wow. Great question. I've never been asked that question. And I don't think I actually can consciously say that I have follow up. I will tell you this. I spend a lot of time on my bicycle. I spend a lot of time there on my go. motorcycle. Uh, I get a lot of head time where I'm there not listening to music and I'm not listening to uh, anything other than what's inside my head. And um, typically I don't make rash decisions. So I'm going to go through that process in my head. I'm going to go through that process in my gut. Uh, yep. And then I'm going to research it the best I can. And then I come to a conclusion. Yeah. Um, based on what I've learned, based on the mistakes I just told you about with the fabricators and the welders, your awareness goes up that much more because you can now ask better questions of the person you need to talk to. 100%. And based on those questions, my decisions then are made. Yep. I love it. So I can obviously already tell you you're a more analytical individual. And like you said, you're not a rash, a decision maker. And so there's a lot of entrepreneurs like you. And then there's a lot of entrepreneurs on the other side of the room that kind of just make decisions based on emotion, which is fine. They're uh, the ones that are hot-headed and excited, and there's a lot of value on both sides. Um, so what I'm hearing you say for the listener, for the value, so I'm, I'm pulling out what he's saying here is that number one, he gets time alone. And I would 100% agree with this. You have to hash out, that's what he's talking about in his head. He's got to hash out what it looks like, what it potentially looks like, good, bad, worst case, best case, relationships involved, what else is necessary, cost, no cost, what does this affect? 
all these things he's hashing out as he's riding his bike. I do the same thing with my bicycle. I do the same thing when I'm at the gym. I do the same thing in different times that I've got where it's just me. So I love that point. The other piece, whether you're analyzing and researching, because that's more of the analytical approach, the other emotional approach is more of like a gut feeling and you just can roll with it. Either way, fine, no big deal. But then the next point that you made after that, which everybody should be able to relate to is conclusion. You brought yourself to a decision. Don't lag. Don't hesitate. Don't continually research over and over or be stuck in an emotional feeling forever. Decide. Move on. How many times have you been out on your bicycle and said, you're not even going to think about anything today. I'm not going to ride hard. I'm just going to go out and just enjoy the day. And what you think you're thinking about, you're not thinking about. But in reality, all of a sudden, you wake up the next day and you've got it solved. Yep. You figured it out. And you weren't even really thinking that you were figuring it out. But sometimes when you're not thinking, you're doing your best thinking. 100%. I love that. It's, It's an approach. It's a purposeful approach to rest actually. That's really what we're talking about is right. we're discharging our high performing brains and bodies and functionalities in our business. And even in our families and all of that, I got three kids with one on the way. Like it's crazy. We're building a house. We got businesses. We're buying properties, like all this stuff. But then at the same time, I got to be able to get quiet. I got to be able to rest. I got to yeah, be able it's to important. Think. Love it. Okay. I love that process. I love, even though you didn't feel like it was the defined process, you gave it to us. It was gold. You're giving so much value here. I love it. We're going to, we're going to transition to a speed round and we're going to wrap this up. The listener knows this section, right? So I'm going to go through these quick. I want one word answers, maybe a little, you know, expansion of the answer, but basically one word. And I want the answer to just hit the listener right between the eyes, right between the ears, if you will. (laughs) Okay. First question this, Steve. If you could only track one metric forever and ever in your business from here going forward, what is it? Progress towards my goals, I think would be my biggest answer. Just to be able to take that time and these decisions and have a timeline of my tracking of my goals. Okay. So he he gave you like three answers in one there. He said, first off, you have to have a goal. Then he said you had to track the goal. And then he said you had to have a, a timer on the goal. Okay. So he gave you three and one. Great job. Appreciate that one. You already gave us the book recommendation. That's my second speed round question. Thanks for that. And then the third one is this, Steve, do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? And if you do, do you pay for it? No. Yes. The answer is yes. I constantly am looking for people who work for themselves by themselves because I learn every time I go to the play, I learn something new. Somebody and, And Chaz, people are willing to help you. If you're on the same journey and you're all in the same train, man, the the help is just pouring out of them. They want to help. They want to share their stories. They want to share their successes and even their failures. But I found myself years ago when I was self-employed, hanging out with other self-employed people. My circle became entrepreneurial by happenstance. I don't know how that happens. Just maybe you can explain it better than I can. But next (laughs) thing you know, I'm looking around like, all my friends are self-employed. All my yeah. friends are entrepreneurs. Yep. It's interesting. But no, I do not pay for any of it. I go seek it out. If I go to these expos, if I go to uh, like tomorrow night, I'm doing a chamber uh, meeting for uh, Central County, Florida, and I got a booth sitting up there and I'll be out networking and uh, talking to people and, and trying to find out who's who and what's what. Yep. hundred percent. I think that there's value there and we all have those moments or people around us. And sometimes it's, they're harder to get to depending upon who we are and who those people are, but everybody's got to start somewhere from that angle. So I love that perspective. I love it. Quick, quick story for you. I went up to the villages, which is a big retirement community, did a little expo up there. Guy comes over to me and says, Hey, are you shipping these things yet? I go, no. I said, I haven't figured it out. And he's, he tells me what he does. And 
after next sense, he's like, Hey, I've been in logistics uh, for 25 years. He goes, uh, you know, with 3PL, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, I got his card. We're communicating over email and he's going to help me set up uh, logistics. So when I need to start shipping these things across the country, he's going to be able to help me out. You next right. never know who you're going to meet. Exactly. It's funny, obviously gathering the King's community with inside of the community, we have uh, roundtable groups for six-figure owners, seven-figure owners. And what you just said is what I hear the most back from entrepreneurs. It's if I can get into an environment, sometimes unpaid, sometimes paid, I've done both. And what particularly what I'm looking for is a scenario where I can get in association with someone that can give me that one piece that changes everything. And it doesn't have to be like, makes me a million dollars, but sometimes it does, no. right? It, it leads right. it to a scenario that leads it to a scenario that leads it to a relationship that leads it to whatever. But if you're not looking for that, whether it's a free or in a paid scenario, that is why people get around other people. I hear you, what you're saying. It's already changed the trajectory of your current business. And my guess would be that it would be for the listener as well. So last question, Steve, if you lost it all today, what would you do? I'd will myself to do something else, Chaz. You'd do the same thing, Steve. I'd start praying tomorrow and I'd start doing it again. And I'd come up with another solution that solves everybody's problems. You're telling me that you're just crazy enough that you'd do it again, huh? I could come up with two or three different things. Just open, listen, if you really just open your eyes and you look around and, and you just are aware, there are things out there that are so simple to solve and so easy to make money. You just gotta be, you just gotta will it. You just gotta say, man, open my eyes and show me the light because it's out there. That's right. That's incredible. Steve, we so appreciate all the value that you've given to us here today. How does someone uh, who's listening, whether they want to buy your product, they want to get a rack in their garage, or they just want to connect with you as a professional, how do they find you? I would love them to go to my website. It's a rackabove.com, all one word. Uh, you'll see a video on there of a girl putting this thing together, talks about all the different ways you can utilize it and how to adjust. I've also got a YouTube channel, uh, a rack above on YouTube. And hopefully this podcast will be on there shortly. And uh, you can re hit me on Instagram, Iraq Above, and also on uh, Facebook, I'm Iraq Above. So I'm a, I'm Iraq Above everywhere, man. That's awesome. Iraq Above. And uh, you can find Steve, and obviously you can tell that he's a giving heart, and he's that's why he's here today. And so connect with him if, if that makes sense for you. So we so appreciate you, Steve. Thanks for coming to the show. And we'll be, I'm sure, talking very soon as, as you continue your journey, and we stay in touch. Thanks, Chaz. It was a blast. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.